3: Man, time flies when you're having
4: fun. Already two hours in the book, Sean. Feels like we just started. This is what happens, man, when it's football season, and I got you to pick your brain, even though you're, like, jabbing
5: me about my Irish. You know, I have a lot of people that listen to the show. That's good. like, I I asked them for their feedback. Yeah. And you know what they said? They really enjoy listening to us because it's like two buddies discussing, disagreeing, (laughs) and agreeing about sports. And so that's it's the beauty of it. Yeah, I like it. And nothing is—I mean, that's the beautiful thing. You're actually pretty smart outside of your like ingrained emotional ties that create like your bias. I, I am I, like Notre I,
4: Dame, and I don't hide it. Yeah, that is my that is my one thing. And I think last night, and I'm sure people disagree, but when your team is a favorite, your favorite team, don't bet them. I told you that. And I didn't bet him. Sean, I didn't bet no, Notre Dame. I told you. Douglas that. was all over it. I, I don't. Now, if your favorite team's an underdog and you want to take them on the money line, then awesome. Do that. But if they're a favorite and last night you don't cover, you don't want to be bummed out. Your team just won. So I now wanna, there's the happiness hedge. You take the other side and you're, you're happy one way or the other. But I, 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 that, that is my PSA. If you are crazy for a particular sports team like I am with Notre Dame, Don't bet them when they're a favorite. If if they're a dog and you want to bet them on the money line, that way you get a – like when the Nats won the World Series, Mm -hmm. I just bet them because they were a dog pretty much everywhere. I just kept betting them and betting them and betting them, and it was amazing because not only did my team win the World Series, but also I got to to bring home uh, financial winnings. But don't bet your team, if you're crazy like I am, (laughs) when they're a favorite.
5: So we get a lot of people that interact with us on Twitter during the show. I want their opinion on something. Because we've got to have some ground rules moving forward. So I want to know, should Tim Murray have to take my phone call during a timeout or a stop of action in games where he has an emotional attachment to one of the squads? Because I called him with the specific intent of singing the Florida State War Chant during the Notre Dame-FSU game, and he sent me the voicemail. Don't call me during Notre Dame Games. Then he texts me and says, I don't answer the phone during Notre Dame Games. And I'm like, what's the difference between texting and saying hello? Hello is actually. Because quicker. I knew why you were calling, too. But that's even more reason to answer.
4: I don't. I there's one person I text during Notre Dame Games. He knows who
5: he is, and that's it. It's all I do. So Aaron, we're not in the cool club. We didn't get anything in Hawaii. We can't communicate with Tim during Notre Dame games. I mean, I don't know what's next. Nobody
4: could communicate with me. You said Notre- one guy. Yeah, there's
5: one guy who, by the way,
4: we don't talk about anything other than Notre Dame football. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we grew up together, but we're, you know, we we we, we communicate via Notre Dame and that's it. Um, but yeah, I I think it was fair to send you to voicemail. You just told me what you were going to do. I would not have enjoyed that. And by the way, that phone call didn't come around when it was thirty-eight twenty.
5: <laughs> well, you had already made it clear that you weren't going to answer. So, like, if you send me the voicemail once, I'm not like going to allow and then you to tweet it I'm not going to allow s- you to you yeah, about. Yeah, I wanted to put you on blast.
4: Whatever. I'm not- <laughs> I, I, you can put me on blast on Twitter. I don't answer phone calls during Notre Dame football games, especially when I know that you had been talking all this smack about Florida State. I was not going to answer that when it was 7-7, or I think it might have been 14-7 at that point, Florida State.
5: I just was trying to check your temperature. No, you weren't. You were calling to. I was checking your temperature. That's all I was doing. Yeah,
4: my temperature was, don't talk to me.
5: Don't talk to me. You guys a dodged a bullet. But that's okay. Clemson's going 9-3. and three. They're already down one. So I got two more losses to get. Look, if
4: you had said, told me that Clemson was going to go under their win total, which, by the way, they are. Uh, it was 11 and a half, So. Right.
5: I just don't know. The bowl game won't give them 12 or 13 games. Uh-uh. Okay.
4: ACC championship doesn't count. It's only the 12 scheduled games. Oh. So you can you have to wait, but you can cash that under if you want. But at the end of the day, I just don't see where they lose. I guess to go 9-3, and three like your projection, I, I just don't see it on that roster. Don't their forget de- to hit us up. Their defense oh, should is. Should Tim Murray have to answer my calls? Good. I should not have to answer your calls. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Brad Powers right now. <laughs> Well, and here it is the nightcap on Vison Hour number three on a Labor Day Monday. Here still in Vegas for you listening back on the East Coast. It is Tuesday. Got Sean King running in place. He's fired up. His Tampa Bay Buccaneers about to hit the full field on Thursday night. It's gonna be a good time down at Ray J.
5: I got a feeling hey, that Thursday's gonna be a good night. <laughs> hey man. You keep singing like that. We we might
4: just we might go to a music channel one of these days. I'm Big Luther. Let's bring in our next guest, uh, who had himself a pretty good weekend. Uh, I was checking him on Twitter and some of his thoughts that he has had. We've been talking to him all off season and now it's time to come to roost. He was able to give us out a, a winner, uh thinking back to week zero when we had him on the show. Uh it is Brad Powers at Brad Powers Seven. Uh Brad, overall for you, um, I saw, you know, you had some great spots, great positions that you were at some of those opening lines. How was the weekend for you overall? Now that it's wrapped up with old miss taking care of business tonight and the under coming home.
6: yeah, uh, you know, got nervous at the end. Yeah, of the you game, did. I mean, my biggest position tonight was the under and, uh, when it was 29 to three late third quarter, I mean, that was, uh, it wasn't a question of if it was just by how much you're, <laughs> you're going to cover. But, uh, uh, no, uh, you know, it ended up being capping off a good night, capping off a great weekend. But, uh, you know, we're on to week two uh, already. You know, Bill Belichick, we're on to Cincinnati. In betting, we're on the week two. So you're only as good as your your your, your last bet, and uh, we'll see what week two has in store.
4: Yeah, and I was just going through, guys, uh, to me, and I think we're going to do a segment tomorrow or Wednesday, either let down or look ahead spots. And I always think that's such a big thing in college football. Sean, you brought it up. You mm-hmm. know, they're 18 to 22 year olds. There are, are spots that could be big letdowns we'll talk about. Um, and I think there's also bounce back opportunities. Let's start with a team that played last night, Sean, and they've got a, a, a pesky opponent coming up on uh, on Saturday afternoon, short week for Notre Dame. And this line, we saw it. I think it opened at circa, uh, I want to say open 20, and it's down to 16 and a half. Uh, Brad, what do, what do you expect for Notre Dame coming off of a, a physical game? couple injuries They lose Paul Mawala, one of their linebackers for the year. Um, what is your expectation for for this now that Toledo seems to be getting a lot of uh, love in the marketplace one of the favorites to win the Mac?
6: Well, I agree with the line move. I'm part of the Toledo money. I actually circled this game as a good spot to bet Toledo in the summer, Mm -hmm. and DraftKings posted this line, believe it or not, and had Toledo as a 22-point underdog That, And I actually bet this game in the summer. I took Toledo then, and then, you know, wise guy secret, Uh, You know, as the Notre Dame-Florida State game is going on, and Notre Dame, in my opinion, wasn't impressive, although it really depended on what point in the game you're watching it. It was so topsy-turvy, but they left this line up. And I could tell you at many shops as that game, especially the fourth quarter wore on with Florida State making the comeback, we started seeing Toledo money trickle in at that point. So, uh, you know, the short week for the Irish, off an overtime game, traveling, a little bit banged up after a very physical game, you know, I I wouldn't say it's, you know, screaming high value now that it's crossed through 17, but I did definitely lean with the Rockets.
4: Talk once again to Brad Powers at Brad Powers 7. Another spot, uh, very curious to get your opinion, because I was high on Washington Heading into this year, I thought the schedule played out well. And look, my bet on them it, it's still alive because I have them to win the Pac-12 at I think it was eight to one. Um, but certainly, them losing to FCS Montana is not ideal uh, <laughs> because we had our biggest question about Washington. Right? Was was the was the offense? It wasn't the defense, and the defense played just fine. But now they're going to Michigan, and we've seen about an eight and a half point swing in a, bat, a matter of a week. Um, With uh, in favor of Michigan. You look like Michigan now laying six and a half, Brad. They're going to be without their leading wide receiver, Ronnie Bell. He was lost for the year. Is this too much of an overreaction to the, the, the egg that Washington laid now that they're getting six and a half? When a week ago, they were laying two in this game.
6: You know, it, it, it's tough because I did watch the Washington-Montana game, and there, it wasn't anything fluky in my opinion. I mean, Washington just doesn't have any anybody on the outside at wide receiver or running back that, that, that scares anybody. They have a good tight end in Kate Otten, but other than that, they don't have anybody, and especially they don't have a quarterback You know, throw the football down the field. Uh, he's the shortest quarterback to start for Washington in 40-plus years. I don't like Washington's offensive coordinator, uh, I made a bad bet. I bet Washington in the summer, plus three in this matchup. And uh, I, I can tell you this. When Circa opened Michigan minus four on Sunday morning, I, I, I bought back. I, I tried to get out of my Washington bet and that, <laughs> someday, believe it or not. I, I like the Wolverines in, in this matchup. I you, I think it's – I'm going to lean with them until it gets to seven, obviously a key number. I, I just don't see how Washington handles the atmosphere. Uh, 110,000 that night in the big house – there was nothing that I saw that gives me any glimmer of hope for the Huskies uh, in last week. And I'm not a guy that likes to overreact to week one.
4: Well, a couple other letdown spots that jumped to me as we talked to Brad Powers. Georgia coming off of incredibly dominant defensive performance. Sean, you have your certainly questions about JT Daniels. hmm UAB is arguably the best team in the CUSA, one of the best teams in the CUSA, and i uh, Is this a situational letdown spot, Brad, where you see UAB coming in? They're getting 26-and-a-half. They're one of the favorites to win their conference. We know the CUSA is not the SEC. My curiosity is, are they going to be able to move the ball against Georgia because that defense is so stout? So is 26-and-a-half too much in favor of the Blazers, or does it feel about right for you when it comes to that defense?
6: No, I mean, I bet UAB be plus 29 on the circa opener, uh, anything above 24, I think is good. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I think it actually might drop below 24 because of Georgia's COVID issues. I got whispers last week of Georgia having COVID issues and the, the tongue in cheek was that the word wouldn't get out because the game was so important last week. And now we're seeing that, you know, there's at least a half dozen guys on Georgia that could have COVID issues. It's already a letdown spot after a super uh, physical game. UAB's got extra time to prep after looking really good in their opener last Wednesday night. I, the, my only concern is UAB, as good as they look, uh, and, and you know you like taking a lot of points with a team that plays good defense like the Blazers do, but man, if you start going through the last four or five years and see how the Blazers do, Against Power Five opponents, they play them tight. It's not a pretty sight. So yeah, it's and that's the only thing preventing me from betting more. But I, I'm pretty happy with my UAB bet. I mean, I circled it as a spot to to, to play on them uh, after Georgia won that game. And then another spot,
4: uh, keeping Power Five against uh, you know we talked about Toledo, that spot against Notre Dame, right? Well, the reigning champs in that conference, Ball State, goes on the road, and this is a sandwich spot. Penn State just played a physical game against Wisconsin, won it, emotional high, celebrating after a down year last year. Next week, it's a whiteout against Auburn, primetime. Oh, by the way, this weekend they have to play Ball State. Mm -hmm. Ball State plus 22. This is, you know, when you get an opportunity to go in and, and try to keep things tight. Is this another situational spot? This is one of the games that I circled. Ball State plus 22 at Penn State because of Just the situation, beat Wisconsin, expected to lose that game, Auburn next week in primetime. Oh, by the way, you have to play this Saturday against the MAC champs.
6: I would lean Ball State. Here's my concern. Uh, I was not, I bet Ball State last week, and I got to tell you, I mean, I thought they were outplayed. Forget covering a 20, you know, almost a four-touchdown spread. And I got in front of a big line move there again last week. I mean, they got outgained as a significant favorite and there was nothing. And they were plus one turnovers too. So it wasn't anything that was fluking the box score. other than ball state legit got outplayed by a Western Illinois team that, you know, is average at best as far as at the FCS level. So that's my one concern there. I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from ball state now. You mentioned the letdown spot for Penn State. I'll also go misleading final. I mean, the, the Nittany Lions, if you dive through that box score last week against Wisconsin, uh, the, that that is a game where you're coming away with scratching your head on how Penn State won that game because statistically speaking, Wisconsin dominated the Nittany Lions.
4: Talking once again to Brad Powers, Uh, the biggest game you could argue of the weekend, College Game Day, will be there in Ames. Uh, This was a spot where, as of last week, and I grabbed it Mm. a week or two weeks ago, uh, I got Iowa plus the seven. I mean, Iowa State hasn't won this game by more than a touchdown uh, since 2005. Now, this is a different Iowa State team. Really played poorly against Northern Iowa. I saw on Twitter, Northern Iowa was one of your biggest plays of the weekend. So congrats on that. Great, easy, easy win for you. And Iowa looked great. Uh, Michael Penix banged up, but still, Iowa looked really strong, winning by four touchdowns. Iowa's a dog in this spot. Rivalry game, four and a half, four, depending on where you look. So we've seen some market adjustments after what we saw in Week One. Um, is this the is this is this line correct at four? Do you anticipate Iowa to keep it closer? What, what's your expectations of the Cyhawk Trophy?
6: Yeah, this one's tough for me. Uh, I mean, everybody has reached out to me, uh, and even people that I respect want to bet Iowa in this matchup. Yeah. I got a feeling. I'm not, you know, I'm happy with my plus seven ticket. I'm with you on that one, but I'm not looking to re-bet Iowa. I can tell you that. I, I just, this one, you know, I just, it stinks to me. That's yeah. The line stinks just like, you know, UCLA, LSU did, did with all the money that came in on the Bruins. I mean, if you look at the talent disparity between the two teams, it was unbelievable that LSU was laying less than a field goal. And this one, I mean, after watching both teams play last week, I mean, and we've seen some money going in on Iowa State here in the last 24 hours. I mean, that line got down to three, three and a half, and now it's up to four and a half. I just think it's the pros versus Joes game of the week. The Joes, are the, the popular trendy underdog is going to be Iowa. And I, I think Iowa State's actually the right side here. I'm not going to play back on it, but uh, I would certainly lean with the Cyclones because I just, I, this is one where I would, well, beware of what you saw week one. I can tell you that.
4: Yeah, I'm starting to feel that way, too. I was hoping that Iowa would either lose or not play that great. Iowa State would win big, and then yep. we'd see a fishy line, you know, at that big. But now the public loves Iowa. That's why I'm with you on the Brad. I, I have it at 7. Uh, I'm not going to go back in. I, I'm Yeah, the fishy line, you know, the, the suspicion there is there uh, with Iowa State. Uh, we're talking to Brad Powers uh, at Brad Powers 7.0. On Twitter, I, Sean, I, I I forget if you have an opinion on it. I think you do like uh, the road team here. Texas at Arkansas. This, to me, feels almost, I, I think the public's going to love Texas in this spot.
5: So, I watched the Texas-Arkansas game.
4: Texas-Lafayette game? And,
5: I mean, the Arkansas-Rice game. Oh, yeah. And Arkansas has no shot. But that quarterback, against a competent defense, they have no shot. And I don't think they're dominant as they were last year. They weren't dominant, but they played salty defense last year. I like Texas. I love Steve Sarkeesian. I told you the two best offensive minds in college football are Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin. So I'm buying Texas on this. Under a touchdown, you know, I know it's the SEC, but... just seems, to me, it seems too easy. I just, I don't... Trust that Arkansas okay. offense with that guy quarterback.
4: This is this is Brad. This is the Super Bowl for Woo Pig Suey. I mean, you could talk about SEC. I mean, they have circled this date. That place is going to be on fire. Um, you know, they got a fortunate cover to your point, uh, beating Rice. It was just on bad beats. We were just watching it here in studio. Um, <laughs> they were down but this, this, this to me, Brad, it kind of fits that what you were talking about uh, with Iowa State. It's suspiciously sitting there at six and a half, and just people are going to be grabbing the. Laying that points like UNC at Virginia Tech. Fayetteville's gonna be on fire come Saturday night. Night game. Uh what, what is your take on Texas and Arkansas?
6: Yeah, Hudson card, first road start. Uh, you know, primetime national television, as big of a home game as Arkansas has had in a long time. Uh, I, I'm not I I'm not bet either side of the game. I think six, six and a half is right where I put it. Uh, I, I would, I, would I, I think it might go to seven. though. No, I'm seeing some indicators that it looks like it wants to go to seven. Uh, it would take it to actually go to seven and a half for me to bet Arkansas. I just, I, to me, uh, it, it screams like a trap game, but, but from, I was very impressed with Texas. I mean, let's be honest. I, I mean, they, they, they controlled that game against the Louisiana team that a lot of people were picking to win the game outright, and I thought in a first game scenario, Texas played a pretty clean game.
5: Brad, before we let you go, a couple questions. I circled Tennessee, and I said they're a bet against for the rest of the year, no matter who they're playing, no matter what the line is.
4: <laughs> Everyone, everyone's, everyone's on you with that one.
5: We only have a minute,
0: but
4: it's now up to three and a half against so, so, Pittsburgh.
5: So in a minute, do you agree with that? And if not, what's your best play for this weekend? You know, I know it's not Saturday yet, but, but where do you feel like there is an opportunity to pull for our pocket?
6: Well, I bet numbers, not teams, but I I echoed same sentiments and Pittsburgh's probably one of my favorite bets that I made on certain opening lines. Uh, I mean, I got a minus one and a half. I'm not surprised that everyone and their mother bet against Tennessee uh, early in the week. And now it's up to three and a half. I really like that bet that I made there. and, And I agree with you. Favorite bet on the board still. Uh, <laughs> I, I took care of the board pretty good at least in my opinion I, I'll tell you, we talked about the game I, I, if you want to get in front of a line move I really think that this UAB Georgia game is going to run tomorrow where it, it can move like circa right now is a 26.5 I think the line's going to move 2, 2.5 points
4: Yeah, you're actually starting to see it move I think DraftKings has already moved it to 24, some offshores 24.5, so yeah, you can still get UAB 26.5 right now in town. Uh, if you believe the Blazers can keep it close and uh, there are a lot of rumors and Kirby Smart has uh, addressed them. There's COVID issues with uh, with this Bulldogs team. Brad, always a pleasure, man. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week sometime. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. There he is. Brad Powers at Brad Powers 7 on Twitter. We'll rehash some of the things he had to say. It is the nightcap on v sports betting discussion around your local teams bet Rivers as you cover bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective the Chicago Detroit Philadelphia and Pittsburgh citycasts are up and running with five new episodes every week Subscribe to your local citycast wherever you get your podcasts. Alongside Sean King, I am Tim Murray. Tonight, the Ole Miss Rebels take care of business uh, against Louisville, 43-24. to 24. They cover the closing number of 8.5. The under comes home with, uh, I would say, relative ease. It got a little interesting at the end, but still able to, uh, able to
5: bring it home. Not a real sweat. No, not really. Like, if you had stopped watching the game, you might sit down and watch a series kind of Okay, hey, let's just make sure. But it wasn't like a, a real, like, oh, one bad play can can mess this up. Shout out to Ole Miss. Lane not being there. Primetime game. A defense that was Swiss cheese last year. Actually looked like they have some improvements. I know the linebacker came with DJ Durkin from Maryland, number 44. I can't think of his name. But Matt Corral, we talk about Heisman odds. We talk about... Mm-hmm. Guy's having a chance. He looked like a Heisman-caliber player tonight. Now, they're going to have to navigate some pitfalls on that schedule. Yep. But just the individual talent, he looked like a Heisman contender.
4: Yeah, and uh, I'm pulling up his numbers right now. You have who will win the Heisman. I thought this would be a good discussion. Because Bryce Young, off of the week one performance... He looked like the Heisman winner. And he's now... Well, out in front as the significant favorite at four to one, just after uh, after week one,
5: the next two shouldn't even be on the board.
4: Spencer Rattler or DJ Uliangalele—they yeah,
5: shouldn't be on the board. They should have to earn their way up to those kind of odds. Well, <laughs> those odds were all given, not earned. No, <laughs> well, for real. You're speaking
4: like a true coach. They also have to speak like odds makers. Well, they, absolutely. They, yeah, they—they they yeah, have to do that. Their... I'm not
5: taking shots at at the people that make the odds. I'm just saying. They had done nothing coming into this 2021 season to be on the favorite list for Heisman Trophy. They simply played the position at the right program. So, because of the previous production, people just assume that that production is going to automatically manifest itself again. And it might, but Spencer Rattler nor DJ Ugalele looked Heisman like.
4: Yeah, I mean, DJ looked completely uncomfortable. I mean, the thing about DJ moving forward is the schedule is manageable, but, yeah, it's hard to say that he's someone to to look at. From what we saw this weekend, as we looked down that board, you know, B. John Robinson looked the part. He did. But once again, we've discussed running backs, and we went into Mm -hmm. the last three running backs that won this award all played for Top three teams.
5: I know a running back should be on that list. It's Kenneth Waller, the third of Michigan
4: State. But Michigan State, the thing is, Michigan State is gonna be a an at at best it's an eight and four football team.
5: Yeah. We're gonna we have a segment coming up. I'm gonna tell you why Michigan State's gonna win the Big Ten.
4: We're gonna do that in a little bit. Yeah. Um I mean I wouldn't they played Northwestern. Northwestern's bad. No, Northwestern one, be, is, no one
5: beats Northwestern like that at Northwestern
4: uh it'll happen this year
5: (laughs) it will be interesting.
4: (laughs) i mean look i i I thought kenneth walker was he was phenomenal
5: look at the big 12 who looked like they had a complete i mean the big 10 who looked like they have a complete team ohio state no they couldn't stop the run and that's what michigan state does the only difference is they have better athletes on the back end than Minnesota does. Uh, you can go ahead and bet Walker at 75 to 1 and
4: he may have a big year. Yeah, hey, Aaron, can you do that
5: for me afterwards? I have a proxy. My my producer Aaron cuz he's like the guy to know in Vegas. Like we're all the I, different books are. I did are, this whole
4: it's it's like how what I say you don't listen. I told you I told you UTSA you like Illinois. UTSA wins out. Right. I, I told bet you Illinois. I told you Fresno State and they win comfortable, or they cover comfortably. Yeah, if
5: you would have told me Kayvon Thibodeau was going to get hurt during the game, I'd have been
4: like, okay. I I did a whole segment discussing why running backs from teams that don't finish in the top five can't win the Heisman Trophy, and now you're going to go play Kenneth Walker III because he scored three touchdowns against a defense that lost his D coordinator and eight starters. Can
5: you call Ricky Williams for me during the break, Aaron, and ask him, did he win the Heisman? In
4: 1998... And I think he had a little bit more buzz. Did he become the all-time leading rusher? It's that the year, year? Of the underdog baby,
5: Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati. Let's go, go Bearcats! You want Tulane to win the AAC, though? Yep, Clemson nine and three. <laughs> oh man,
0: overreactions Is that easy That isn't that wasn't even the overreaction segment. <laughs> it's the nightcap here on DC.
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Now is the perfect
4: time for you to huddle up the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. Folks, the season starts on Thursday. Guides only $19.99 is available now. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VEASAN All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now. Head over to VEASAN.com backslash subscribe. Alongside Sean King, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl winner. I'm Tim Murray, live from our uh, Circus Sportsbook studios here in downtown Las Vegas. This is something that we did on uh, on a previous show, and it's not, you know, you know cracking the atom, uh, but it is just overreactions. That's what Week One in college football is. That's why I love betting Week Two because people kind of lose their minds over one piece of data, mm-hmm. and then you go the other way against some of those. Uh, Inclation. Another bet that I like. It's moving in, you know, my favor. I was able to get Illinois at eleven. I loved I loved Illinois week one against Nebraska. I faded them week two. You said that. And now I'm back on them. <laughs> because I think this is the market doesn't know what to do with Illinois. They're going up and down, and I think getting eleven, now it's under ten. Uh against uh against Virginia and they're getting some health back. Peters, I think, should start uh at quarterback this week, which would be huge for them. Uh so I think Illinois. But I want to do some overreactions, and and these are meant to be a little bit out there. Maybe we don't fully believe this, but we saw something that we liked, and we're going out on a a bit of a limb. So I want you to give me uh, an overreaction from what you saw
5: this weekend. What's my number one? Because I know he has the graphic for it. Michigan State will win the Big Ten. I have three of these folks, so I'm just to know what order they were in. Michigan State will win the Big Ten. A lot of people don't believe me, 95 to one. So I don't have a whole lot of futures bets, this will be one. Here's why. Mel Tucker went to Colorado, first opportunity to be a head coach, and in a very short period of time had turned Colorado into a team that people thought could compete for a championship in that division. That team, his last year there, I want to say had four guys that are now in the National Football League that he brought in. He understands how to evaluate talent. He understands how to run a program. He understands how to get guys focused on pursuing championships and titles. He's going to Michigan State in a very, very short period of time. You can see the difference in athlete on that Michigan State team. Now, I know they were playing Northwest, and you mentioned that, so it's not like they went to the horseshoe and beat Ohio State. But based on the last time you saw Michigan State play last year, to that performance, they look like a completely different ball club. And here's why I'm bullish on Michigan State, and here's why I'm buying that stock. They can run the football. Kenneth Wallow the third, outstanding running back. Went for over 200 yards, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns against Northwestern. But here's why I'm really buying them, because of Peyton Thorne. I know when I see it at quarterback, and he has it. So those games where people want to load the box – Those UCLA Bruin-type defensive plans that, I hate to say it, but one of my best friends, Brad Johnson, his son just wasn't ready to handle. That LSU offense couldn't handle that. Peyton Thorne makes you pay. That's why I like Michigan State to win the Big Ten because Ohio State showed me that if you can run the football, you can milk the clock against them and you can still score points. Now the difference to me between Minnesota and Michigan State is Mel Tucker's a DB coach at heart has recruited much better athletes in the secondary than Minnesota has in theirs. So although Ohio State's going to put up points because they're talented, there won't be guys running wide open like they were against Minnesota. Second overreaction. Kentucky will make the SEC Championship game. Ooh, going to beat Georgia. Yeah. Here's why. Will Levis, transfer from Penn State. Yep. Played outstanding. 367 yards, four touchdowns. Listen, I know they're playing Louisiana Monroe, but I just told you, When I'm watching these games, I can tell which quarterbacks have it. He has it. Confidence, a swag, a demeanor, the timing, the accuracy, the arm strength to deliver the ball on different planes and do it all from the pocket. And Josh Ali, a kid that I recruited from Shamanad Madonna down there, him and Wandale Robinson had 10 catches combined, 161 yards, 3 times. They have the weapons. They've kind of been on the verge the last couple years under Stoops, hadn't really had the quarterback that could really deliver the ball. From the pocket and still be athletic, they have that now. I'm picking Kentucky in a year where I think Florida's down, where Missouri disappointed me in week one, and I'm not a believer in JT Daniels. I'm picking Kentucky to find and finagle their way into the SEC championship game. Third overreaction, and this is more of a bet against the conference as much as it is a bet with this team. USC, University of Southern California, will be in the college football playoff because I think they're going to run the table. I think Slovis is good enough. I don't feel like the opposing sideline is so good in that conference currently that Clay Helton's going to matter. And I think is still overrated. I went back and I watched the coach's copy of the UCLA-LSU game. And if the quarterback at LSU doesn't play the worst game of his career, they probably break the scoreboard. LSU has guys running wide open. He can't hit them. I mean, LSU has guys matched up in one on one matchups with guys six, seven yards off, can't get the ball to him. Like it was an aggressive game plan. Obviously, they had read the, the the pregame resume on Max at that point, and they really, in my opinion, exposed Ed Ogeron and his staff. But never being able to make adjustments, but that won't happen with UCLA because you can't do that to Slovis. I like US, USC to run the table and be in the college football playoff.
4: Well, they got a little showdown in South Bend in October that they have to take care of. Haven't beat Notre Dame in a couple of years, so if you're not high on the on the Pac-12, they got to go and prove it against a decent team in Notre Dame. So, and they got to be undefeated. I mean, right now with the way the Pac-12 is. Um, but, I, yeah, I like it. That's what that's what the overreactions are for. Um, which
5: one you like the most? Which one you like the least? Um,
4: I mean, I hear what you're saying on Michigan State. I just don't think they're there yet. So I would say I like that one the least. Mm-hmm. And I think the USC one I like the most because if they can manage Notre Dame and go in there with the athletes, and I think Notre Dame's got questions in secondary. Mm-hmm. They'll both have bye weeks. So I would say uh, I would like that one the most of those three. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple, but uh, I'll give you my number one. I'm getting some Gene Chizik vibes right now with LSU. And what I mean by that is Gene Chizik got Cam Newton and won a national championship. Right. I'm starting to get this weird feeling that all the stars aligned in 2019 for LSU. Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, Jefferson. Chase. Chase. Marshall. Everyone all over the field. Clyde. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. I think Ed Orgeron is out of a job because they're crazy down there. They got outcoats. They they are crazy. I think my my overreaction, Ed Orgeron looking for a job after this season. We've seen some line movements when those lines were first posted yesterday afternoon here at Circa for Week 2 of college football season. We'll take a look at those as we wrap things up right here on the Nightcap. you hire great people fast, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's according to Talent Nest. Visit Indeed.com/credit. Wrapping things up here on the nightcap on a Monday. Hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. That one better at WinBet might have the best Congratulations. weekend. Congratulations! Ten bucks. All 14 legs of his parlay go under the total. I mean, that's what's so impressive about that particular parlay that we've talked about is that it wasn't this chalky favorites came home, even though regardless it would be impressive. This was starting week zero through today, unders 14 of them, and they all came home. Very impressive. Almost 80 G's to that particular and It came home tonight with the under hitting in Ole Miss and Louisville, 43-24 the final score. So,
5: If we do a nine or ten team parlay every week, me and you hate parlays. I know, but because like after our Monday show, like I want to grow our relationship. So after stop calling me during Notre Dame games. Well, only when I want them to lose. If they're winning or something, you want them to lose every week? No, I don't. Yes, you do. I just like that Notre Dame. I have a lot of friends. That are passionate. How about Joe Wilkins? Die hard. Joe Wilkins' touchdown catch, yeah, a guy you guy. recruited,
4: Yeah, just ripped it from a Florida State defender's So
5: hands. anybody that really knows me will tell you, like when you meet my guys when they come out here, he's just bothering with you. He doesn't you. really dislike or hate any college football <laughs> program, but I know the ones where you can irritate the fan base. And, that, and Notre Dame's one of them. Like, they always, even though Notre Dame's, like, one of the brightest shining stars, that fan base always has, like, this chip on the shoulder. Like, they're always getting, like, taken advantage of or not given enough credit or uh, the idolization hasn't reached a fever pitch. So it's very easy to poke you guys I consider and get my, you squirming. Look,
4: I consider myself as realistic If a Notre Like, when they, I you could find the tweet. When they played Clemson in the ACC Championship, I'm like, they're going to get smoked. And they did. I get bored when so they played I,
5: Alabama. I, I like to poke the bear sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, so back to right, we, every every Monday after the show, yeah. me, you, and Aaron, we're gonna sit down. We're gonna come up with a ten-team parlay, uh-huh. and it can include college games totals, NFL games totals for the whole weekend. Is it Aaron's money? Nah. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna put a hundred dollars up. So. However, parlay. However much you got, no. however much we put in, no. we get that percentage if it wins. Because right here it says seven hundred and twenty to one. So that would be seventy. That's yeah, like hitting the lotto. But we're just gonna do one ticket mo- a Monday after the show before the lines adjust to all the smart money that comes in. And it may be one of these Mondays we'll be sitting here like the lucky better that's in win. You know what's going to happen? What? Like all parlays. We'll hit seven of the but likes. that's fine, and we'll play again the next week.
4: I am, I am adamantly against parlays.
5: All right, I'm not going to let you guys buy in after the fact. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you never let me know about your winners. You just always come in here and be like, show me the tickets. Hey, I bet I this don't... in baseball. Uh,
5: Aaron, what time do I get to Circa? Anybody that comes to Circa knows that I get here about 3, 3.30 every day for a I 7 o'clock show. I have a telephone. Show. You text and me. And I'm here doing all my research. Love, Aaron comes down. We have a production meeting right there as we watch the game. So anytime you want to get here before the game, start and come to, uh what do we call it, Classroom King or, or <laughs> Cafe King, whatever you want to come back, we're right there. It's called a telephone.
4: That's a text message. The thing that you used to call me during the Notre Dame-Florida State yeah. game, you can utilize this at all times. See what he's and not And I have I have a mobile application that allows me to bet from anywhere else within the states of Nevada.
5: What Tim is not saying is I have to drive here, he helicopters. <laughs> so <laughs> he flies over the traffic, what I get stuck this? in the traffic. You played in the NFL and you're comparing <laughs> I have 4 kids, you have one. <laughs> We don't have any helicopter gas money. You played
4: six years in the NFL. I called baseball in the minor leagues for five years. I think our paychecks were a little bit different in those those
5: years. All I know is I hit a helicopter right before Tim gets here every day. Aaron won't tell me where it's parked is. I'm not Nick Saban trying to steal a recruit from you when you were at USF. Yeah, I got a funny story for you guys. So Jerome Ford, shout out to him, had a big game for Cincinnati. I'm so proud of the young man. I'm recruiting this young man out of Armwood. He's 100% coming to the University of South Florida in my office all the time with great relationship. And all of a sudden Mike Loxley walks in with the big elephant on his (laughs) chest and they offer Jerome Ford. And all of a sudden I used to get the phone answered. Now I get called back. You know, I get my text responded to immediately. Now it's like 30 minutes later. Then I hear that some guy named Nick Saban, like, lands at the high school in a helicopter. You're done. And I'm like, game over. I mean, are you for sale, Jerome? Like, come on, man. This relationship goes deeper than that. And he said, but coach, it's Alabama. And right there, I understood where I was in the pecking order. Sometimes you just have to know. Yeah, You're not front row seat material, you know? So, Ultimately, he ended up transferring to Cincinnati after a couple of years, but he did win a national championship with Alabama. So he's always said that experience was phenomenal. So I'm pulling for you, Jerome Ford, go be great. I'm pulling for Cincinnati to make the college football playoff and make some noise. So. Are you? Yeah, I am. I really am. You're pulling for Tulane to win the AAC. Well, if Cincinnati stubs their toe, then I want Tulane to win the AAC. Now, if it got to the AAC championship game and it was, uh, are we on opposite sides? I Think so? Uh, yeah, and then I don't know. I don't... You pull for two. I don't want Come a great. On. I don't want a great game. There are no divisions. It's just the top. Two okay, teams. yeah, I'd want a great game. And here, and this is me being
4: completely honest. And Cincinnati, ooh, got ourselves October thirtieth at Yulman Stadium. I think Sean King. Hey. I think I think Tulane Green Wave. Great needs to be on the sidelines. That's Cincinnati, a, hey, that, at Tulane—that's a great
5: game. For, October 30th—that's a great game for me and Derek Stevens and you to fly to a college football game. We'd be in the Crescent City. I mean, we could send Aaron pictures. We don't have to take Aaron. You know, we don't want get crowded on the plane. Yeah, I mean, we need our room. Yeah, kick that would be a tremendous game to go to. Tremendous. I could set it up. We get some great food. You know, ride around a little bit, hear some great traditional New Orleans music, and go see a game. And hey.
4: I won't get say back. I won't say no, and if if and if we're flying aviation, you know where you don't need to get A, B, or C, um, and maybe we could get back the night, you know that night, because we got kids. Yeah, you pre- know the next day is Halloween. We got to be home for. I'm Halloween. pretty sure
5: Derek has never been to Las Vegas International Airport.
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think he, he goes he not go, goes that route. So that's for guys like me, you and Aaron. Tulane, Cincinnati, I don't know. It's pretty.
5: Pretty appealing. But man. I'm telling you, I probably would pull for Cincinnati if they were undefeated only for this reason. In the big picture, I'll a non-Power what, 5 team making the college football playoff has greater impact and importance long-term than if we won another conference.
4: The, buzz, the buzz heading into that game. It's going to be significant. If if Cincinnati avoids, I mean, look at that, Indiana, Notre Dame, USCF. If they get past that's all three of stretch. those, that's
5: woo. a tough stretch. They'll
4: have earned it. They, oh, yeah. goodness gracious! And they're at Newman Stadium, October thirtieth. I mean, that'll probably be prime time. If if Cincinnati's undefeated, if if Cincinnati's undefeated, it'll depend on what two line is. If if Cincinnati's undefeated heading into that game, mm-hmm. they're
5: number four.
4: And that's Halloween weekend,
5: isn't it? Like yep. strange things happen mm-hmm. in the Crescent City on exactly. Halloween.
4: All right. Let's get to uh, before we get out of here. A couple big line moves uh, at circa when the openers hit the market, uh, 2 p.m. or 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Each and every Sunday, they do a great job putting up the opener. So let's take a look uh, at what has moved so much. So Army, Army looked the part, man. Army. I heard Kenny White saying he adjusted his power ratings quite a bit on Army. I don't know, man. You know, I'm, I'm, the Hilltoppers intrigue me. Mr. uh Mr. Zappy throwing some touchdowns, granted against the FCS opponent. That was one of your picks. I like Western Kentucky. I have them we ten to one. USA. I have ten yeah. one. And I you know, I like where I stand on them and I thought FAU showed showed well against Florida. They Covered. It was a late play. I ended up taking the points. Um I told you Coach was gonna cover. Oh yeah. Twenty one. Um the one that Brad Powers talked about and has moving quite a bit, it is Toledo and Notre Dame. And I, I it makes sense. Notre Dame, short week, physical game, emotional game. You get the win. And now Toledo, this is this is their Super Bowl. This is the biggest game. I mean, they've played Ohio State before, but this is one of the biggest games probably in school history, an opportunity, first time ever they're going to Notre Dame. And now it's under 17. Brad still leaned towards Toledo, but he certainly liked it when it was north of 17.
5: So normally when I leave the show, because I'm an avid uh, and passionate cigar smoker, I go and have like an evening stick. Mm-hmm kind of go back over the show, you know, my points, my opinions, like the opinions we got from our guests. When I get to my uh, private lounge, I'm going to watch the first half of Toledo-Norfolk. And I will have a very strong opinion for you tomorrow on not only do I think Toledo, if I think they can cover, but can they get the outright win? Because I'm bullish on some of the transfers that they had coming to the program.
4: I like Toledo. I I played them to win the conference when it was – uh, at 6-1 to one when it opened, I thought that was too high. They went off, I believe, as the favorite to win the conference. It's a big ask, but I, I, you know, I think Notre Dame is going to try to emphasize the run. They couldn't run uh, against Florida State, but Jermaine Johnson's not going to be on Toledo's defensive line. <laughs> that guy was something else.
5: Isn't it, it amazing how good Alabama, and not so much Alabama, they don't have a lot of transfers, but teams like Georgia and stuff can look, and then you go watch another game, and the guy's dominating that actually left that program. Jermaine Johnson was on.
4: <laughs> Georgia was the most dominant defensive line. They couldn't, DJ Uyunglele couldn't do anything, and Jermaine Johnson was wreaking havoc against a top-ten team, and he left Georgia.
5: <laughs> and, and, and let me say this before I forget. Shanning Tyndale is the best defensive player I've seen in the SEC since Devin White. That's number 41, the linebacker from Georgia. He is the real deal. But Kentucky's going to beat him. JT Daniels. That's Sean King.
4: I'm Tim Murray. Thanks to Patrick Everson. Thanks to Greg Allman. Thanks to Brad Powers, our producer, Aaron Oster. For Sean, I'm Tim. Talk to you tomorrow right here on the Nightcap. At bed
0: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.